facts, candid conversations, and some levity to lighten your day. This is The Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio. A wonderful Wednesday to you. It is March 22nd, 2023, and this is The Kale Clark Show. So happy to be talking to you, whether you're on the road, on your way home, from work, on your way to work, wherever you might be. You might be in the car, might be at home, might be listening on a podcast, wherever you are on this third rock from the sun. I'm really happy to be with you for the next hour. We're going to have a good time. As always, faith, facts, and fun. It's the name of the game on The Kale Clark Show. 888-914-9149 is the number to call to talk to me toll-free. 888-914-9149. You can also email the show. It's great to hear from you guys. What you think, comments, questions, show ideas. Maybe pop me an article you want me to take a look at. The address is kale, C-A-L-E, at relevantradio.com. And you can also find me on Twitter at Kale Clark, C-A-L-E, Clark with an E. And today I want to ask you about decision-making, because a lot of us have, especially it's Wednesday, we're, it's hump day, we're trying to get through the week, and we have made hundreds and hundreds of decisions already. We make hundreds of decisions every day. And some of these decisions are trivial, but some of them can be pretty major. They can be life-altering, not only for ourselves, but for other people too. So how can we make decisions in a less stressful way, in, in a God-honoring way? I'm going to talk about that today. We're actually going to talk about some myths about the decision-making process, five myths to be exact. So if you're ready, let's go. Let's do this right now. I read a piece um, that was really intriguing, and uh, it was by a uh, uh, a gal named Amy Joseph. She actually wrote a book about this, about decision-making. And she talked about how to really honor God in, in our decision-making process. And, and I don't know about you, but I, I struggle with making decisions sometimes. I, I tend to be more analytic by nature, and so I want to make sure I've got all my bases covered, that I've thought through everything from, from every angle. My, my wife is totally different. She goes by intuition most of the time. And most of the time, her intuition does not fail her. We're a good complement to each other in that sense. But uh, maybe you're in the same boat as me. And I, I've certainly made some poor decisions uh, in the past. I'm sure you have too. And let's make a deal. Let's make our last bad decision our last bad decision. Can we agree on that? Amen. All right, let's do that. But um, I want to talk about some, some myths in decision-making. And I think uh, Amy Joseph did a really, really good job with this. And she brought forth some uh, some things that we really need to think about. Did you know, I, I talked a moment ago about how many hundreds of decisions we've already made this week. Apparently, according to Cornell University, and I, I would trust them because they are an Ivy League institution, right? They seem to know what they're doing. Cornell University researchers have estimated that we make 226.7 decisions about food in one day. Forget about everything else. We make 226.7 decisions about food in one day. I, I, I don't know how that's even possible. How do you make that many decisions about food? I mean, are you are you literally making everything from scratch? Are you coming up with all the ingredients and mixing them together? I don't know how that works, but hey, it's Cornell. I'll have to, you know, look at the link on that on that one and find out. But that's that's an unbelievably mind boggling amount of decisions about just what we're gonna eat every day. But what about the more important decisions? And and Amy Joseph talks about Decisions that affect our souls, not just our stomachs. And, you know, St. Paul talked about that too, how 
people's physical appetites can can lead them into sin. And he said uh, in his first letter to the Corinthians, he said, and he's quoting them, by the way, this isn't something St. Paul said. This is something the Corinthians wrote to him. Food for the stomach and the stomach for food. And, and basically what they were saying is, hey, God has given us these desires, these appetites, these certain body parts. And they weren't talking about stomachs, folks. They were talking about something else. And they just wanted to indulge all of their appetites. And Paul basically quotes it back to them and says, yeah, you guys say food for the stomach and the stomach for food, but God will destroy them both. Understand that there will be a judgment. And you're going to get a resurrection body, hopefully. But he, he, actually, even those who are not going to the good place will get a resurrection body. And Jesus talked about that in today's gospel from John chapter 5. That, we'll talk about that maybe a little bit later in the program. But we have to understand that making decisions can be super, super stressful for us every day. And it's something that sometimes we wish we didn't have to do. But Amy Joseph says that this is actually making decisions is part of God's good plan for us. That you shouldn't look at this as a burden. You shouldn't look at this as a stressor in life. Although there, there's no doubt that some decisions are really stressful. But it's actually a great privilege. And it really has a lot to do with the way that God made us in his image. We'll, we'll talk about that in just a second. But here's the other thing too. The decisions that we make in life can help us to have a greater relationship with God. They should lead us to a greater intimacy with God. And that should be the underlying bedrock of all of our decision-making processes. So, I don't know. When it comes to making decisions, I really want to ask you guys, what, what has worked for you? Maybe you've had a big decision to make in your life. Maybe it was about a major life challenge or, or milestone marriage. Uh, maybe you had to make a move. Maybe you had to, you're thinking about taking a new job or changing careers or something massive. How did you go about your decision-making process? Were there any heuristics that you found helpful? And, and you, that's a fun, fun word, isn't it? Heuristics? Well, a heuristic is essentially, here, here's what the Cambridge Dictionary said. I had, I had to look this up. I, use, I like to use this word, but I want to technically tell you what it means. Heur, heuristic is, well, one of two things. It's either Something that allows students to learn by discovering things themselves and learning from their own experiences rather than simply by being told things. And the other thing a, a heuristic is, it's arriving at a solution by trying different actions to see if they produce the result that is wanted rather than using strict rules. But anyway, so if you have any decision-making processes or heuristics or uh, as a Catholic, here's how I look at life decisions if there's a way that you, you've done that, a method that you've found helpful, why don't you give me a call and let me know what it is. I'm always ready to learn from you. 888-914-9149 is the toll-free line for The Kale Clark Show. 888-914-9149. Okay, well, here's what Amy Joseph says are her five myths that people have about the decision-making process from a believer's point of view. So here's myth number one. Myth number one is that decision-making is an acute condition to be endured. And by that she means it's, it's a short-term situation that you simply have to endure, you simply have to get through. You gotta get through this decision. You gotta make the decision, you gotta endure the process. And she says, really, this is an idolatrous mindset. That's a striking way to put it. Wow, she says it's an idolatrous mindset. If you say, that, if you say this to yourself, 
and maybe you've said something like this to yourself, once I get past this decision, it's going to be smooth sailing after that. As soon as I make the decision, everything's going to be fine. Lake Placid. It's going to be smooth sailing on the other side. There's going to be peace. There's going to be rest. There's going to be tranquility. <laughs> I've thought that. I mean, we, we all have thought that, haven't we? It's a little bit like the, the thought process of, of people saying, well, I'll be happy when. You know, I'll be happy when I get this or when I do this or when I get married or when I get my dream job or when I retire or when I'm finally healthy or whatever. Once I get through this decision, once I get past this, it'll be smooth sailing for me. I know I've thought that. And uh, she says it's an idolatrous mindset. Wow. Okay. Well, if, if so, I need to repent. So she says the reason why it's idolatrous is because if you think that way, you're, even though you're not, you, you wouldn't, you would never put it this way, but you're actually dishonoring God. You're dishonoring God because he has given you this invitation to actually make a decision. And really, that's a great gift. There are a lot of people in this world who don't have the ability to make such decisions for themselves. They don't have autonomy. Uh, they're in horrific situations. And just the fact that you have the ability to make a call is a gift. Plus, plus, it's part of how we bear the image of God. More on this later. But she says, quote, We will not emerge from decision-making on this side of glory. End of quote. So basically what she means is, that this side of heaven, we are always going to have decisions to make. So you might think, once I get through this decision, everything's going to be fine. Well, guess what? You're going to have another decision to make right after that. And another, and another, and another. It never ends. Heck, if, if Cornell University is right, and we're making 226.7 decisions every day about what we're going to eat, uh, you better expect that decision-making is part of your life, and it always will be. So we are entrusted with these decisions, and we should embrace it. We shouldn't just endure it. We should embrace it. And here's the thing. God uses the decisions that we make to shape us into who he wants us to be. This is part of his process for getting us to the place where we need to be. You say, what about if I make a mistake in my decision? What if I make the wrong decision? Don't worry. We'll talk about that too. He's factored that in. You're listening to The Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio. We're talking about five myths about decision-making. And if you have a, a method, if there's a method to your madness of decision-making, I want to hear about it. Have you recently had to make a big decision? Uh, how'd, you, how'd you deal with it? How'd you process it? 888-914-9149 is the number to call. So because of the fact that we are created in the image of God, we must make decisions. Why? Because, how are we created in the image of God? We read about this, of course, in the book of Genesis. We hear about this all the time, that human beings are created in the image of God. And, and there's, there's, there's not just the image, there's also the likeness. And, and what I said when I was doing the Genesis series on, on the Faith Explained program on Relevant Radio, when we talked about this, I said that, it's not original to me, but we're created in the image of God. We, are, we also have the likeness of God, hopefully, because the likeness of God is having God's life in your soul. It's being in a state of grace. And our first parents, Adam and Eve, had that. They lost it with original sense. we got to get it back. So they, they, they never lost the image of God, but they did lose the likeness of God, the life of God in the soul. You get that back through baptism. And when you lose it through mortal sin, you can get it back again if you go to confession after baptism. So, 
But this idea of every single person, even if they're not a believer in Jesus Christ, even if they are not a baptized person, even if they uh, don't have the Spirit living within them, and we hope that, that they get that, but they are still created in the image of God. And what does that mean? It means that they have a rational soul. It means that they have a rational soul. Now, modern people even deny they have a soul. We talked about that a little bit yesterday on the program. But the idea to to make reasonable decisions, to use reason, is is really important. And this is what God has entrusted us with in the, in the decision-making process. So we need faith and reason, uh, as John Paul II used to say, uh, Pope John Paul the Great in his great encyclical, Fides et Ratio, he, faith and reason. We need faith and reason like two wings in order to fly in our lives. So that's really, that's really important. So we need to depend on God when we make our decisions. We need to ask for his wisdom. And there's times that we don't know what to do. And she gives the example of, of King Jehoshaphat in the Bible. Now, I got to tell you, I don't know too much about King Jehoshaphat. Second um, Chronicles chapter 20, verse 12. Uh, King Jehoshaphat said this, O our God, will you not execute judgment on them? For we are powerless against this great horde that is coming against us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. And, and very often, we feel like that, don't we, when we have to make a big decision. We don't know what to do, but Lord, our eyes are on you. Please give me some guidance here. So King Jehoshaphat. Now, I, I, when people say jumping Jehoshaphat, I'm, I'm guessing that has something to do with King Jehoshaphat. I don't know whether he could, maybe he could dunk. I don't know. But uh, maybe that's why they called him that. Anyways, but uh, that's a great line. We don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. And so many ways God searches our hearts and, and invites us to make decisions in freedom. And this is another thing that, that is how God has created us. And we almost want to abdicate that. We want decisions to be made for us sometimes. Oh God, can't you do? But oftentimes God's will isn't that clear. And sometimes I think he, he honestly does give us freedom of choice in certain things. And the most important thing he wants is for us to become a saint. And does he really care if you have enchiladas for dinner? Or whether you go with the taco. I, 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 by the way, I actually did have enchiladas tonight, not to make you hungry, but uh, just before the show. Thanks, Trish. Uh, they were delicious. But um, does he, is that really going to be, is that one of these 226.7 decisions about food? Is this really going to change your life uh, that much? I don't know. But like, we can certainly sanctify everything in life. We can sanctify our eating and enchiladas. But, but we have freedom about a lot of choices. The freedom of the children of God. St. Paul said this in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. He said, these things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the Spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. And God searches our hearts. He searches our hearts and he invites us into the freedom of his truth. In Psalm 139, God, which is a beautiful psalm, God says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts, and see if there be any grievous way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. So th this, is, this is part of what we pray. Lead us in the way everlasting. Help us to make good choices. 
in freedom and understand that these decisions are really a blessing from God, the fact that we have the freedom to make these choices. This is what God intended for us. And we should be grateful. So that that's the first myth about decision-making, that it's some sort of a condition that we just have to endure short-term. We just need to get through it. No, no, this is part of the freedom of the children of God that he's intended for us. It's our rational soul that's in play. He wants us to make decisions. He wants us to be his co-creators in shaping this world. And so that's really important. But there's so many other myths that we have to look at tonight about making decisions. Here's the second one, pain or suffering. If pain or suffering results from a decision, then that means that you've made a bad decision. That's actually a myth. That's actually a myth. So if you're suffering right now and you think it's your fault because you made a bad call, you need to lift the burden. We'll help you do that, plus much more on The Kale Clark Show. i got to take a quick break right now, 888-914-9149. We will be right back on the program. Hang tight. Faith, facts, and fun. It's the Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio. Darling, you got to let me know. Should I stay or should I go? Well, you should definitely stay and talk to me. Give me a call, 888-914-9149. We're talking about making decisions under the watchful gaze of God, with the encouragement of God. We're talking about five myths about decision-making. So we talked about myth number one, that decision-making is kind of a short-term situation. We've got to just endure it, and once we get on the other side of the decision, we're fine. Smooth sailing, not the case. It's part of who we are. It's part of how God made us to make free and responsible decisions as we're created in his image. And this is really a piece by, uh, that I read by Amy Joseph, who wrote a book about decision-making. And a myth number two that we're going to look at in just a second is pain or suffering. Sometimes think when they go through pain or suffering, they think that's a sign that they made a bad decision. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm suffering as a result of this. Clearly, I made the wrong call. That's not always the case. And uh, I want to hear from you too, though. I want to hear about how you've made decisions in the past. Are there certain models of decision-making that have really worked for you? 888 So just before we get back to it, let's go to the phones right now. Let's go to Patrick. St. Patrick in Austin, Texas. Welcome back. How are you doing? Hey, Kale. Uh, thank you. I didn't, I didn't know you had the power to elevate me to such a high and lofty <laughs> position, but, I, but I'll take it. Uh, there you I go. Was, I, was named after, I was named after an Irish Catholic priest. So that, uh, whenever I think of a decision-making, I always think of the movie Chariots of Fire. And, and if you remember oh, yeah. the movie, uh, it was uh, two, two runners uh, from Great Britain going to the Olympics, one uh, Eric Little, from uh, Scotland uh, is uh, also a, a avid Christian and a missionary, mm-hmm. and he finds out that one of his events is on Sunday, so he has to make a decision. Is he going to stick with his uh, Christian nature and not run on Sunday, or is he just going to let it go this time? And of course, he decides not to run. He made it all the way to the Olympics and not to run on Sunday. And he's sitting up, the, the classic scene for me is he's sitting up in the bleachers watching the race, with a friend, and the friend leans over to him and says, uh, any regrets? And Eric says, yeah, but then he pauses, and he looks at the guy, and he says, but no doubts. And mm. so I'm always uh, like reminded that. of that, and I think, you know, if you make the decision, you just got to stick with it, good or bad, and don't look back. 
Hey, we're, we're actually, I'm glad that you mentioned that because we, we will talk about that too. That the, the regret that people have when they when they make decisions, if things don't turn out the way they expected, that that's not a good thing. And and I, I really like how you put that. And and that's such a great movie, Chariots of Fire. And uh, Eric Liddell, who was a Christian missionary, he died um, in a prison camp in China. Uh, but he really inspired his fellow prisoners. And uh, there's just it's just such a great movie on so many levels. The soundtrack, of course, by Vangelis. We actually did a we did a, a show about that. Uh, I think when Vangelis passed away, uh, maybe producer Jim can uh, link that in the show notes in the archives. And uh, such a great tune, of course, the famous piece. Do 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 do. Okay, I'm not going to do it, but you know what I'm talking about. And uh, also a great scene in the movie where he makes this decision, and then he winds up running in another race, which isn't his specialty, and. Uh, one, I think the American runner, Jackson, I can't remember his last name, hands him a note. And it's a scripture verse from the Old Testament. It says, he who honors me, I will honor. And I won't spoil the rest of the movie. Go go get it. Go rent it. Chariots of Fire. Hey, Patrick, that, that's great. And I, I can't elevate you. I can't canonize you yet. I don't have that, that power. But hopefully we're all living saints. That's what we're trying to do here as we listen to Relevant Radio. 888-914-9149. It's Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio. Jackson, Jackson Schultz. Jackson Schultz, thank you for uh, jogging my memory there, Patrick Alog. Uh, man, that guy's quick on the draw. He, he Arizona missions. He, he's right there. He's he's all over it. Appreciate you, Patrick. All right, from one Patrick to another Patrick. But let's get back to these myths about decision making. If you're on the line, uh, hang on. We'll try to get your call as quickly as we can. Triple eight nine one four nine one four nine. Myth number two: When we have pain or suffering as a result of a decision, that's a sign of a poor decision. This is actually a myth, and this is what Amy Joseph says about this. She says that our culture of comfort has so bled into our thinking that we tend to be shocked when we experience pain, hardship, or resistance of any kind. When we meet obstacles on the other side of a decision, we begin to wrongly assume that these are signs that we have made a wrong decision. Contrary to popular belief, suffering does not always signal a poor decision. In fact, we often experience testing and trials because we have made a decision that honors Christ's words and his ways in this world. End of quote. That, that is such an important point because modern men and women, they tend to want to eliminate any kind of suffering in, in their life. Think about the, the MAID movement, M-A-I-D, which means medical assistance and dying. It's a fancy way of saying euthanasia. This is all about trying to escape any kind of discomfort. Um, certainly needless suffering should be avoided. And pain management, we can do better with that. Palliative care, for sure, that's the answer. But uh, there's so many people who think that because they're experiencing any kind of suffering, it means that their life is meaningless and it ought not to be. Here, here, especially when it comes to choices that we make because of our faith. And the movie Chariots of Fire is kind of a, a great example of that. Here's what St. Peter said in his first letter. In 1 Peter chapter 4, he says this, Rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed, because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or as a meddler, Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. Okay, so if you're suffering because you're a criminal, you're in prison, oh, I'm suffering. Well, you deserve that. But if you're suffering because of your faith, 
simply because you're, you're trying to follow the teachings of Jesus Christ, you are actually blessed. And, and if you share in his sufferings, you're also going to share in his glory when he is revealed. And this is what Jesus said in the gospel. He said, hey, if they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you. If they listen to me, they're going to listen to you. Uh, a servant is not greater than his master or her master. So understand that. Just because you're suffering, that doesn't mean that you've made a bad decision, especially if it's trying to fulfill uh, the teachings of the faith. We live in a broken world. And uh, she talks about in this piece the fact that we live in sort of an already and not yet situation when it comes to the kingdom of God. Uh, this is what uh, Jesus said in the, in the Gospel of John, in John sixteen thirty three. This is a very encouraging verse. Jesus says, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world. So you're going to have problems in the world. You're going to have suffering. It's a guarantee. But take heart. You can rise above it because I have overcome the world. You can overcome as well. And in John's gospel, he already has the, he has this sort of dichotomy, this already and not yet. Because in John's gospel, especially when he, when he talks about eternal life, eternal life starts now. He says in the gospel, and this is, this is Jesus talking in the gospel of John, Eternal life is to know you, the one and only true God in Jesus Christ whom you have sent. So eternal life starts now. When we get to know God in this life, we start to follow him, and it just continues on into the afterlife. Heaven starts now, and also hell starts now in this world too, living apart from God, and it just continues on unless you, unless you repent. It gets worse. The eternal life only gets better if you're, if you're choosing God, and I encourage you to make that choice. So Suffering is not necessarily a bad thing. If you've made a decision, especially a decision to practice your faith, a decision for Christ, it's not necessarily meaning you're on the wrong track. Ask the martyrs, right? Ask the martyrs. They, they had to suffer a lot. And, and Amy Joseph says it's kind of a checkpoint in our life because we can, it, it gives us a chance to reflect, but it's not supposed to be a time for regretting the choice. If you're suffering, and you're regretful because you've made this choice, then, okay, a couple things. If you, you might be suffering because you actually have made a poor decision, and maybe you've done something that's, that's clearly wrong, and you're suffering because of it. Well, in that case, repent, reload, recalibrate, start again. Uh, this is what it says in Isaiah chapter 30, verse 15. Isaiah says, For thus says the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, in returning... And in rest you shall be saved. In quietness and in trust shall be your strength. But you were unwilling. Okay, we don't want that to be said of us, that we were unwilling. So we've got to rest, reflect, reload, start again. That's, that's what we need to do. And, and making mistakes, God, God, we always have to remember, God foresees the mistakes that we're going to make. He knows everything. He's sovereign and he knows what we're going to do before we do it. And he's factored that in. He's factored that in to his plan for your life. He's going to get you in a position or hopefully you can make better choices in the future, but you're not, you're not going to outwit the great chess master, the great eternal chess master. It's like the devil thinking, oh, at the crucifixion, I've got him. He's dead. Woohoo, I've won. No, you haven't. There's a resurrection on Easter Sunday. You've been played. So, the, and the choices that we make, I always say this too, that we look back sometimes when we're younger and, oh man, when I was 16, 17, I did this. What a, I can't believe I did that. Well, if you're still making the same choices at 29 or 45 that you do when you're 17, then you've wasted a lot of years of your life, number one. But number two, God knew you were going to do that based on 
where you were at the time, where you were in your faith, your understanding, your maturity, whatever, is factor that in. Doesn't mean that it's a good thing, but all of the choices, you know, he'll get you in a position where you can still find him. That's, I believe that wholeheartedly. Let's go back to the phones right now, 888-914-9149. Let's go to David in Chicago. Hi, David. Hi. Uh, thanks for taking my call. Well, I had a, uh, a uh, comment and a prayer that I think sums up your whole discussion today. It's, um, okay. it's a prayer by Thomas Merton. I don't know if you've heard of it. It's about wanting to do God's will. Even if we make a bad decision, we're hoping to do God's will. If you want, I'll read it or just... Sure. Is it, is, it, is, it, is it fairly... Uh, yeah, is it lengthy or is it... Uh... Pages, it's like a little <laughs> bit more than a paragraph. <laughs> okay, great. <laughs> yeah, go for it. Okay. This is about Thomas Merton. He, he was a, a monk that lived in, in the monastery in Kentucky mm-hmm. in, in uh, the 60s. He passed away in 68. Um, the prayer is, My Lord God, I have no idea where I am going. I do not know, see the road ahead of me. I cannot know for certain where it will lead or where it will end. Nor do I really know myself, and the fact that I think I am following your will does not mean that I am actually doing so. But I believe that the desire to please you does in fact please you, and I hope I have that desire in all that I am doing. I hope that I will never do anything apart from that desire. And I know that, that if I do this, you will lead me on the right path, the right road, I'm sorry, though I may know nothing about it. Therefore, I trust you always, though I may seem to be lost and in the shadow of death. I will fear not, for I know you will never face me, leave me to face my perils alone. Oh, that's that's a beautiful prayer. Thanks, thanks for sharing that, David. And yeah, we we do have to make a lot of decisions in at least semi darkness, and and we 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 try to feel our way through, and we don't know necessarily like that prayer from King Jehoshaphat that I quoted earlier. We don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you, and we just try to make the best decision that we can, uh, and and trust uh, God with with the rest. I really appreciate that call, David, in Chicago with that um, really nice trusting prayer. Uh, by Thomas Merton, and I, I'm no expert on the life of Merton. I know he wrote, of course, The Seven-Story Mountain, and he himself had had issues in his life. That's about all I'll say about that, but um, all of us are imperfect people, and uh, I'm not excusing it by any stretch of the imagination, but let's continue on with um, these five myths about making decisions. And you're listening to The Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio, 888-914-9149. If you're on the line, hang on. Ronnie in Brooklyn, I see you there. Uh, if you're still there, stay there. I'll, I'll try to get to you as quickly as I can. But let's let's just get through this. So just to recap, myth number one, decision-making is an acute short-term situation that we just simply have to endure. Myth number two, pain or suffering is a sign of making a poor decision. Not the case. Uh, let's go with myth number three now. This is an interesting one. Myth number three that uh, Amy Joseph uh, brings up is that decision-making is meant to be a merely factual process. And I think by that she means decision-making is meant to be a merely intellectual process. This is something that we really have to watch. And she says this, quote, Ancient philosophy has trained us to think that the best decision is one made on sheer reason. You know, it's kind of like pure reason. Is there such a thing? However, this ignores the way God has wired his people as those knit together with body, 
mind, and soul. As believers, we ought not to be surprised by recent scientific studies which conclude that emotions play a critical part in the decision-making process. End of quote. Now, that, that is so true that God has made us as holistic persons, body, mind, and soul, interconnected. And emotions do play a role in decision-making, especially if you've ever met somebody who has kind of an aggressive or really assertive personality. Very often, they will make decisions based on pure emotion. In the moment, they'll make, you know, you're fired or whatever, yeah. And they don't. They haven't really thought through the the implications. Um, so very often we we do make decisions. People people want to say, oh no no no, I, I I never emotion never comes into play. It, it does come into play. It does come into play. And your body can come into play too. The way you're feeling, um, your your state of health can can impact things as well. But but this is where the heart and the head have to have to have to kind of meld and. And this is something that that um, that we have to pay heed to when when it comes to to making decisions. We have desires in our hearts, and we have to be careful about that too, because not all of our desires are necessarily God ordained. But you can't you can't isolate your intellect from the rest of you. And what God has knit together, human beings must not put asunder. So the head, the heart body, mind, and soul, we are holistic, full humans. And so we make decisions, all of that stuff has to be in play. We simply have to be aware of it. We have to be aware of it. And how do we, how do we purify it? Well, we purify it through prayer. We purify it through bringing our intellect under the, the yoke of the Word of God, if you will, having our intellect be instructed by God and purified by God, and our emotions too. And this is what it says in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. The word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of what? The heart. The heart. So the word of God needs to cut to the heart and do a little bit of heart surgery, open heart surgery, if you will. And and Scripture says we're, we're going to get a new heart and a new spirit. That's what happens in the new covenant. So we've got to change our heart. We've got to change our mind, too. St. Paul says in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So th- this is really important. So we, we have to allow God to transform our mind, renew our mind, and not sort of just go with the zeitgeist, what everybody else is doing, but to truly make decisions in accord with the good and what the will of God is. That when we're trying to make good decisions, that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to do God's will as best we can. So if we love God and, and try to at least to say, hey, I'm, I'm going to try to make the best decision I can in the light of what I know and not uh, be influenced by evil or selfishness, if we at least try to do that, that's, that's, that's a start. And so the holisticness of life is really important as well. And this is the illustration that, that she gives in her article here, uh, Amy Joseph. She says when, when she talks to her kids, she'll tell them, hey, when you're making a decision, it's kind of like driving a car. Your emotions don't belong in the trunk, but they also shouldn't be in the driver's seat. So you don't want your emotions driving the show. But you also don't want to just try to press them down and say they don't really matter. I'm going to try to make a purely intellectual decision. It doesn't work that way. 
Your emotions are part of the deal. They make excellent passengers in your life, but they shouldn't be driving the bus as we submit ourselves to God's word. All right, got to take a quick break right now. We'll be back with the last couple of myths and your phone calls, 888-914-9149, five myths in decision-making. We make lots of decisions all the time. Got to try to make better ones. It's the Kale Clark Show, only on Relevant Radio. Be right back. This is the Kale Clark Show, giving you the confidence you need to bring the faith into everyday life. Hey, welcome back to the program. And uh, Jim, I can't hear anything in the background, just to let you know. Triple eight, there we go. Triple eight nine one four nine one four nine is the number to call. Eight 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 nine one four nine one four nine. It's Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio. Why don't you call in right now? Let's take a call. Let's go to Ronnie in Brooklyn. By the way, we're talking about five myths on decision making. I'll recap them in just a second. Ronnie in Brooklyn, thanks for calling in. How you doing? Okay, uh, Clark. I just want to tell you, I'm 79 years old, so I have a lot of experience in life, mm. and some of the hardest decisions I ever had to make, I couldn't make. And when I couldn't make them, I just didn't make them. And I said to myself, mm. well, let me just wait on God and see what God wants me to do. And sure enough, in time, God will do something that will definitely make up my mind, knowing that this mm. is what I have to do because uh, it's like an omen from God. I'll give you a specific example, if I, if, if I may. Sure. I was on a sanitation department for two years. I picked up garbage uh, for the city. Well, anyway, mm-hmm. uh, at the time, my family were carpenters, and uh, I had five weeks vacation, which I spent in my father's carpenter shop. And then the next year, 60, uh, 68, 69, no, 67, 69, I worked two years, five weeks vacation in my father's carpenter shop. Mm-hmm. And uh, being the family of carpenters, I grew up in carpentry. I said, Jesus, I would love to go back into carpentry, but I'm on the sanitation. Such a great job. It had all kinds of benefits, 20-year retirement, complete medical for the whole family and everything. So I couldn't make a decision. It was too good a job. Mm-hmm. I, and I got, I got to love the job and the men and all that. But one day I'm picking up garbage on Bay Parkway and Cropsey Avenue, and I threw the can in the hopper, and the bag was there. I thought it was a dead chicken, but it turned out to be a dead baby in the garbage can. Oh. And I said, this is nothing from God. Today I'm quitting. So I reported to Detective Ronaldo, the 62nd priest in the Bath Avenue. He gave me a job to do his whole kitchen, renovate his whole kitchen. And that day I turned in my badge and uh, I pursued carpentry for the rest of my life. And uh, it wasn't easy, but that God gave me the decision that I couldn't make right there and then. Like if I waited a while. Oh, wow. Ronnie, that, that, wow. What a, what a horrific discovery. My, my goodness. And, um, First of all, th- thanks for calling in. I really appreciate the call, Ronnie, and and mad props and respect to you for for the work that you've done, and uh, and that's a great, honest job, and it needs to be done. Um, whether it's carpentry, whether it's sanitation engineering, um, any any job, and I got an anecdote about that, which if if I have time to share, I will. If not, I'll do it tomorrow. But any honest job can we can we can use that. God can use that to help us to become a saint. The best job is the one that's done with the most love of God. And uh, so appreciate that call, Ronnie. Well, this idea of also like looking for signs from God, I think that's that's not necessarily out of bounds. Of course, we, we should ask for guidance. And sometimes God leaves us free to make a decision, but sometimes overwhelmingly he makes known his will. 
in the case of St. Paul, he actually took his freedom away from him. He knocked him off his, well, I mean, he, he, the scripture does not say he was riding a horse, but there's so many paintings of the conversion of St. Paul where he's getting knocked off a horse. It, there's nothing about a horse in the text, but uh, he certainly was metaphorically knocked off his high horse, and he, he was persecuting the church, uh, an accomplice to murder, and the death of the first martyr, St. Stephen, uh, may have also been personally involved in martyrdoms of other Christians before before that or after that. We don't know for sure, but when Christ revealed his reality to him, he had no choice in the matter anymore. He knew exactly what the truth was, and God gave him, this is what you're going to do. You're going to be the apostle to the Gentiles, the greatest evangelist of all time. But for most of us, it's not quite that overwhelming. However, God still has his ways that, that he makes his will known to us. And one thing in particular that you mentioned, Ronnie, is this idea of patience, especially when it comes to a, a big decision in life. Uh, the, 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 the Grand Slam decisions of life should not be rushed. For example, marriage, vocation. You want to ma- make sure you're giving yourself adequate time. But sometimes it comes in a flash. It, 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 your, experience, your mileage may vary, as they say. YMMV. Um, yeah. Again, I could get off on a rabbit trail, but I won't because we got we got to get through. But thanks for the call, Ronnie. I got to get uh, back to to make sure that we get through the five myths about decision making that Amy Joseph brings up. Okay, so myth number four. And if you missed the, any of the other ones, you can check the podcast after the show, uh, download the show. Myth number four is God's love for us ebbs and flows based on our decisions. Does God's love change when we make a bad decision? I, I, I know that intellectually that sounds silly to even have to bring this up, but people do think this way. Tim Keller, Tim Keller, we talked about Tim Keller on the show yesterday. Uh, Tim Keller was, has, has constantly uh, said this, and, and he's always pointed out that the default setting of every human heart is performance. Does God love me based on what I've done, how I'm doing, am I measuring up? It's a performance-based mentality. And God loves us just as much, even when we fall. And it's hard for us to wrap our minds around that. And he doesn't want us to fall, of course. He wants to help us to make good decisions. But God has made known how he feels about us and his love for us in the person of Jesus Christ. And when we have that as our foundation... Um, we don't have to earn his love. He already loves us. We kind of look at it from a different perspective. So anyways, that, that's something we, we should never have fear and anxiety about, whether God's love for us changes. It doesn't. All right, so that's myth number four, that God's love ebbs and flows based on our decisions. The last one, myth number five, is my decisions are my decisions. They only affect me. This is one of the biggest myths out there. And here's what uh, Amy Joseph says about this, quote, Whether we choose to admit it or not, the Western church has been deeply dyed by the stain of individualism. We talked, again, we talked a little bit about this yesterday on the show, too, the the unintended Reformation. Uh, One of the uh, rotten fruits of the Reformation was individualism. Individual interpretation of the scripture very quickly, well, not so quickly, but over centuries, became moral relativism. I'm making my own decisions about what I think is morally legitimate. There is no truth. That's what some people say. So she goes on to say this, quote, we tend to read the scriptures through an individualistic lens. We read the singular you into commands that were actually written to the plural (laughs) y'all. And of course, a little Southern twang to that. 
Uh, a lot of times when we read you in scripture, God's not speaking to individuals. He's speaking to you as in a group of people, as in the church, the people of God, y'all, as she puts it. And she says this, quote, we, we tend to think our decisions and their consequences can be contained to our own lives, but nothing can be further from the truth. What we do in private reverberates into the lives of those around us. When God gave the commands, he gave them to his communal people, to his covenant people. And, and there's so many examples of this in scripture where God, where the sin of one person negatively impacts the whole community. And we, when we're looking at the book of Exodus right now on the Faith Explained program, uh, 1230 Central weekdays on Relevant Radio, we see so many examples of people making poor choices that affect the many. And in, in the New Testament, St. Paul says in Galatians chapter 5, verse 9, he says, a little bit of leaven infects the whole loaf, right? And he's not talking about baking bread. He's talking about the leaven of sin, the leaven of malice, um, the festival of unleavened bread, of course. They, they, it was a symbol of sin. If you, if you have leavened bread, if you have a nice, you know, I don't know, uh, I don't know what, it's some sort of a bun or something, it's leavened, it doesn't mean sinful, but you know what I'm talking about. And that's why we use unleavened bread for the Eucharist, right? But, but here's the deal, our, our, our actions do affect other people. There's no question about that. And this is one of the reasons why there's the, the, the judgment of all people at the, at the end of the world. There's our individual particular judgment after we die. But when Christ returns, there's going to be what, what's called the bima, which means the judgment seat, the great judgment that's mentioned in the Gospel of Matthew. And the sheep will be separated from the goats. And they'll already know what their fate is. But this is where we see how our choices affected the world around us, for good or for ill. Do we help other people to get closer to God? Did we sometimes pull them away? And there are no private sins. You think, well, nobody's seen this. No one knows about this. Maybe God knows, but it hasn't affected anybody. Yeah, it has affected everybody. Everybody. Because you're a part of the body of Christ, and you've weakened a member of the body of Christ yourself, and that affects the health of the whole body. So there is no such thing as a purely private sin. So realize that. that that's, that's the last thing. That there, there is no such thing as an isolated life. So your decisions do matter. Not, not to put pressure on you or anything like that. No pressure. You know, they'll affect others for all eternity. But um, we just need to simply look at, at decisions differently. Again, it's part of how God made us. It's, it's a grace that we're able to make these decisions. And he wants us to make decisions. To, to This is part of the saint-making process for us. This is how he makes a saint. So once again, just to recap, myth number one, decision-making is a short-term situation to be endured. Myth number two, Pain and suffering is a sign of a poor decision. Myth number three, decision-making is meant to be a merely intellectual process. Our emotions come into play too. We're holistic beings. And myth number four, God's love for us changes based on our decisions, ebbs and flows. That's not true. Myth number five, my decisions are only my decisions. They only affect me. So a really good piece by Amy Joseph and um, something that we should all pay heed to for sure. All right. Well, we have so many things that we still have to talk about this week on the Kale Clark Show. I can't wait to share them with you uh, later this week. We've run out of time for today, but I do want to remind you, in case you've ever missed an episode, um, and things, things happen, life comes up, right? And you can't always listen live. You can always go to the Relevant Radio app. I want to encourage everybody to download the Relevant Radio app. There's so many great sharing tools. If you want to share a show that really spoke to you, you can do that so easily from the app. Check all the podcasts. Check the recent archives. 
If you want to go way back, go to relevantradio.com. Go to the show archives there. And you can access some of the prior series that we've done on shows like The Faith Explained, the Genesis series, uh, teaching on Exodus. And I can't wait to see you tomorrow on The Faith Explained, 1230 Central. And of course, I will be back 23 hours from now on The Kale Clark Show, too. Jim Shaper produced. Patrick Alog took your phone calls. Thanks for being part. Thank you for making the decision to spend this hour with me. Stay tuned to Relevant Radio for Timory and Father Rocky coming up with a rosary later. Take it away, Michaela. Thank you for listening to my daddy.